Skill and Godly Relationships, Part 2. Last week we covered the importance of relationships and a caution against excess. Tonight we'll be looking at what to seek and cherish in friends. And another point that's not in front of me right now, so we'll get there when we get there. But let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we come this evening, we thank you for your wonderful love, your care for us, uh, even for this beautiful cold weather. I know most of us uh, probably don't appreciate it as much as we get older, uh, but it is part of the seasons, and uh, we recognize that uh, you've got those things in line for a reason. Uh, we thank you for it. Thank you now for an opportunity to look into your word, ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to the things that you have for us, and Father, that truly uh, we would uh, gain good skills and godly relationships so that we might shine as lights in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so what to seek and cherish in friends. Uh, number one, uh, principles. Uh, God's Word provides principles uh, as far as who to be friends with, who not to be friends with. Within those principles, you'll see red lights and green lights. This one's a yes, this one's a no. Tonight we're actually going to have a yellow light. Be careful. (laughs) But uh, Proverbs praises some characteristics and condemns others. Uh, In a day and age when you're not allowed to condemn some of those characteristics, uh, let's understand that God does. Now, how we go about it, as our speaker this morning talked about, we might want to be careful of, but... Uh, if God says it's wrong, well, then it's wrong. Okay, so uh, one of the principles that you're going to be looking for is wisdom. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Uh, within relationships, we recognize there are a variety of different kinds of relationships. First of all, we have give relationships. This is where you have more to offer to your friend than he has to offer to you. Um, Proverbs talks about uh, rich people or richer people. They will always have uh, friends. Uh, Normally, uh, they're poorer friends. Uh, They're hoping to get something out of it. Uh, one of the difficulties of people that are richer is when they come to a church, very often uh, that's how they feel, as though, man, everybody wants something instead of they're a person that God has blessed in that way, God's blessed me in a different way, and uh, it can have a give and take, which we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, Take relationships is where you gain more from your friend than he does from you. Uh, therefore, very often, love is not the primary motive in those relationships. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a relationship where you're gaining more from the other person until you become more equal. A discipleship relationship ultimately is going to have probably more take than give and take, but that person should grow to the point where it's more of a give and take. Um, And in this particular case, very often the take relationships, they're just taking advantage of and uh, never with the intention of how can I uh, be a servant back. And then, of course, you have your give and take relationships. This is more of a level friendship where we need great discernment because the possibility of greater intimacy, openness, and trust exists. Um. Because of the greater intimacy, openness, and trust, if you enter into this kind of relationship with the wrong person, it can destroy a person. Uh, Again, within social media, some of the videos that I see, uh, one, uh, one recently where the women were actually saying how great their husbands were. They were tender, they were kind, uh, they provided well, but you know here they've been married for ten years and they're just not happy, so they're leaving their husbands. And obviously, well, at least hopefully this is in the non-Christian world, but uh, yeah, that kind of open, intimate, trusting relationship can destroy you. So you do have to take 
caution in entering into those. So the principle that we find here is we become like those whom we like. Uh, we're uh, To be friends with one applying wisdom, we benefit from their example. To be friends with one walking contrary to God, we have a negative impact on our personal walk. Our friends will... Well, it'll say something about your own heart, because who do you want to be friends with? Birds of a feather flock together. A lot of parents sit there and say, well, my son would never do that. It was the other kid. It's kind of like, no, why did your kid want to be friends with that kid? Um, When I was youth pastor, there were a variety of situations like that where um, parents love to blame the other kid. And it's kind of like, you know, your kid was there. Now, we're not talking about they did uh, drive-by shooting and therefore there's the association. No, they wanted to be there, and now they're in uh, in that kind of a trouble. Uh, Number four, supporting scriptures and examples. Psalm 1-1, the man that is very happy is depicted by what he does not do. He does not make friends with uh, the sinner and the scoffer and... um, the fool, that kind of thing. Uh, failure at this point affected Solomon. You know, we, we talk about Solomon having so many wives, but then he was influenced by those wives to follow after strange gods. Rehoboam, he had a bunch of friends, and they helped divide the nation in, well, not even in two. Uh, Rehoboam only got two of the tribes. And then, of course, uh, Jehoshaphat. Uh, Here he is, the king of Judah, and he hangs out with Ahab, the king of Israel. Ahab is a wicked man, and that kind of messed things up for Jehoshaphat. So the proof, if I become more like my friend, will I love the Lord more deeply or less? Know him better or more feebly? Be more useful to the Lord or less useful? And again, these are great questions for young people because, again, Proverbs is written for that purpose, that young people would grow up and uh, be godly. But for us, our, when, when we talk about church attendance, for example, and I know I'm sure someone probably took last week's uh, mention of church attendance improperly, but... Uh, when, when we think about coming to church, we think about coming and singing the songs and listening to the message. When Hebrews thinks about it, it says, encouraging one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews seems to indicate that church attendance is more about the relationships that we have with people than hearing the message. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't have a message because Corinthians talks about uh, the preaching uh, of the cross, etc. Um, and of course, Timothy, you know, the elders apt to teach. There's got to be some teaching in there. Uh, but it is the interpersonal relationships which so many people don't like in the church that is what God is using to help you grow. So if that's the case, then the friends that you have at church. Are they helping you become more godly or keeping you mediocre? Now, I know for some people, they, they don't want to get more godly. I understand, but I don't understand. Because the reality is, is you know, uh, is it Solomon? I think it's Solomon that says, you know, it's important to get wise, but don't get too wise because... <laughs> It brings its own set of problems, okay? Uh, but the reality is, is uh, friendships are pretty important. Do these friends help you in your love for the Lord, in your relationship with Him, in your ministry, or do they uh, cause it to draw back? Number two, if the answer is more love, deeper knowledge, greater usefulness, this is a friend to make and to imitate. Number three, if the answer is negative, this is a yellow, if not a red light. Uh, there have been times when hanging out with people in the church, go out for coffee or something like that, and um, as soon as you start talking about the Lord, some of them 
They, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're not out here for that. Kind of like, well, that's kind of a shame. Uh, but that's a yellow. Okay. Uh, loyalty, number three. So the first one is wisdom. Uh, the second one is loyalty. Uh, the problem is listed in Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Uh, talk is easy. Talk is cheap. If you need any indication of that, look at politics. And again, I know some people don't like the idea of talking politics when you're dealing with uh, the Bible teaching and stuff like that, but read the Bible, see the very things that are going on in the political realm happening within the Bible. Now, why is that important? Because the same battle that's been going on for, what, 6,000 years now, is the one that we're seeing lived out in front of us. It seems to be a whole lot more out in the open right now, part of that because of our understanding of the sons of God, but part of that because the devil's not trying to hide it anymore. And so whenever I I deal with the Bible, it's kind of like, well, there's an example, there's an example, there's an example, that kind of a thing. Uh, So uh, talk is easy. Uh, number two, scriptural examples. Uh, got a bunch of them here for you. Uh, Proverbs, uh, Psalms 12.1, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. This kind of reminds me of reading Tozer, talking about the evangelical church back in the 40s and 50s, saying that they had gotten away from worship and were uh, concentrating more on entertainment. And of course, I'm thinking back, and I wasn't saved then. In fact, I wasn't born then. Uh, but if he thought that of the evangelical church today, what might he think today? Now, now mind you, we're going to read one in a few minutes where Christ asks a question that we need to legitimately consider. But let's go to Proverbs 25:14. Whoever falsely boasts of giving, he's like a cloud and wind without rain. So again, the claims of faithfulness, but not really. Micah 7.2, the faithful man has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net. Uh, obviously, uh, don't have the context here. But if it, makes, if it has any reference to the tribulation, uh, we know that during the tribulation, the love of many will go cold, grow cold, and kids will be turning in parents and things like that. So uh, Matthew 6, 2, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, for they have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Uh, Luke 18, 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, here's the question. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, I don't know about you, but that's one of those questions that it's like, wow. Especially when we see so many churches going in the direction of uh, the prosperity uh, the uh, health and wealth gospel, that kind of a thing. Uh, and then Jude 1.12, these are spots in your love feasts. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Uh, I believe he's dealing with false teachers and ungodly people at that point. So those are scriptural examples of the lack of loyalty or faithfulness. Letter B, the quality. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A lot of people, they look at sibling rivalry and they say, well, there's the verse Unfortunately, that's not what the verse means. Uh, Top of the next page, good news and bad news scenario. The good news, a friend worthy of his name is born for bad weather. And I don't know what that extra W is there for, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) The bad news, you normally don't know if one is this type of friend until the bad weather comes, at which point it might be too late. 
If we're talking about loyalty of friends, you find out if they're loyal when tough, uh, t- uh, tough times come. But at the same time, you may find out they're not. So again, choose wisely. Uh, number two, the brother born for adversity is Solomon's example of a true friend who welcomes the rough times. Uh, this, one of the difficulties that we, we as Christians have very often if we're saved out of an unsaved background is who is our family? And the reality is, is our family becomes the body of believers. It's not that we don't love our unsaved family members, but they really are in another realm, in another world. And so when we have friends that are willing to stick it out in the tough times, they're my brother, they're my sister, that kind of a thing. Uh, That's what Solomon's getting across here. Candor is another quality uh, that uh, helps you understand who your friends are. The quality of being open and honest in expression. Frankness. Now, I put the definition down because, of course, I've watched, uh, what is it, uh, the Hunger Games, and one of the groups is Candor. You know, and yeah, they're truthful and all, but it's kind of like, get the movie idea out of your head. What does the word mean? So there's your definition. Proverbs 14.5, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A, frozen, a friend doesn't tell you what you want to hear. A friend tells you what is true and what you need to hear. I know I've uh, given you this example in the past, but I remember one time pastor was talking to me about something, and my response was such. Now, I don't remember what my response was, but he saw something in my response, and he sat there and said, Al, I love you too much to let you get away with that. I'm like, I don't even know what I did. (laughs) But he saw it. And he told me what I needed to hear, not what I would have wanted to hear at that moment. So uh, that's the example. Uh, Proverbs 27.5, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That last line there brings me to the garden where Judas comes up and gives Jesus a kiss. Wow. Uh, The one who will take a risk to tell you what is true. Why is it a risk? Well, what's your response going to be if they tell you what's true? That's why it's a risk. Uh, If they're willing to take that risk to tell you what you need to hear, they are likely a true friend. If we want true friends to help us to be God's person, we need to make it easy for them. Um, A while back, I was with a brother here in the church, and we were moving some stuff for him. And he, he just lost it, lost his temper, throwing things. And, and I just sat there. When he was done, I could get closer to him because when he was throwing things, I was worried about getting hit. Uh, but uh, he, he, he apologized and uh, asked for forgiveness for um, words, attitudes, stuff like that. And I go, look. How am I supposed to pray for you if I don't know what's really going on in your heart? Hopefully that made it easy. If there was anything going on in his heart in the, in the future, he'd know where he could go. You see what I'm saying? Um, instead of being judgmental, I can't believe that brother used that cuss word. No, I, I grew up in cuss words all over the place, spent weekends in bars. So I, I hear a cuss word and it's kind of like, okay. I know it's a cuss word, but that's, that's flesh. What does flesh do? Fleshly things, okay? Those are my only two choices, flesh, spirit. So, okay, he's having a, a fleshly moment. Boy, have I been there, <laughs> okay? Uh, so that's making it easy for them so they can tell you what you need to hear. Solomon gives us more in Proverbs 9.9. He says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Uh, One of the things that always got me when I got to the age of uh, going to college, uh, and even Bible college, was uh, it seemed as though... 
if you look back on history, not everybody went to college. It was for the really uppity uppities uh, or the really smart ones. Uh, they didn't necessarily have to be uppity uppity. They just were really smart, so they needed to go. Uh, other people, they learned to trade from dad or, or whatever. And uh, so I was never really interested in going to college, but it came to a point where, well, I, I guess I'm supposedly that smart, so okay. So I, I went to engineering school, ended up getting saved because of it, and then went off to Bible college. And again, that was someone else's suggestion. Um, so I, I did that. But uh, as I was going to Bible college, e even in Bible college, one of the things I realized was uh, this whole education thing is just uh, we're going to give you information. You, you need to be able to repeat it to us. They weren't really teaching people how to think, discover, that kind of thing. And um, so when it came time to consider graduate school or something like that, and, and yes, I do have a master's, uh, and having done the work, I can tell you I earned it. <laughs> but um, the reality is, is higher education has just never been one of those things that oh, you just have to do it uh, for me. Uh, and again, have no problem if someone else does it. Uh, but the reality is, is okay, uh, Proverbs 9, 9 again, give instruction to a wise man. I am still learning all kinds of things from God's Word. Uh, I've enjoyed reading Tozer, uh, as I, and again, I have several of his books. I've been through a few, and I'm still working on some. Um, it is challenging because as you read what he says, and of course he's constantly referring back to God's Word, and you compare what God's Word says, and you look at some of the things that MacArthur says, you start looking around saying, is anybody saved? Now, I don't want to be in the situation where I'm judging anybody else's salvation, but I do recognize, wow, I really want more from this whole thing than what I've been willing to settle for. And I hope that uh, maybe that's uh, your attitude too. Solomon, of course, he learned from his father, David. Psalm 141, verse 5, Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it, for still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. He's basically saying, you know, if there's something I can learn, <laughs> bring it on. Uh, now, he wants it from the righteous person because hopefully that would indicate that there's going to be a different way that they're going to handle it than the wicked person. So that brings us to letter D. What to beware of and avoid. Number one, foolishness. And of course, we might sit there and say, no, duh. But let's take a look at it. First of all, the precept, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. Proverbs 14.7, Go from the presence of a foolish man when you uh, do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Now you'll notice that fools and foolish are both uh, emboldened, uh, italics. Well, the, Greek, the Hebrew word for that you'll see under number three, and it basically means fat, stupid, or silly, foolish. Now, somewhere in the rush, you've probably heard the rule and maybe even had it for yourself. We as Christians are not to call anybody stupid. I understand. But we as Christians are to determine whether or not someone is stupid and stay away from them. When I look what goes on in the political world and in the media world, can I tell you? There's a lot of stupid people out there. Unfortunately, because of the power of the media and the po politicians, there's a lot of influenced people that were not discerning about the stupidity that they saw and heard. And that's unfortunate because the reality is, is again, in the political world, we understand that a few things have happened over the years where the news is not required to tell us truth anymore. 
they can propagandize us. And so if you are a believer and you are watching the mainstream media, might I suggest you look at some other forms of media for your news? Uh, because the reality is, is in so many cases, they are not telling you the truth. We'll go back to COVID for a little bit. Now a lot of things are coming out that if you were discerning and did a little bit of research, we kind of knew. Now, has COVID killed people? Yes. Is COVID killing people today? Some variant of it, according to what we hear? Yeah. I'm not saying that COVID wasn't a dangerous situation. What I am saying is the media and the politicians lied a lot. And you really have to be discerning so that you don't buy into all of it. Uh, one of my friends had uh, pneumonia and he had two masks on. I'm sorry, pneumonia makes it hard to breathe. Masks make it hard to breathe. What do you need to do? Breathe. Why did he have two masks on? Because Dr. Fauci said so. That's so unfortunate, so unfortunate. So uh, there is stupid things going on out there, and we are to discern. And these kinds of people, we don't want them as our friends. The problem, how do you tell a fool? Not, not how do you speak to him, how do you discern who he is? Well, first identifier, no fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. When we go back to the COVID situation, um, what, what does the Bible say about your days being numbered? Okay. God has determined how many days you got. You are not leaving a day before. You're not staying a day after. With that in mind, do I need to fear death? Especially as a believer. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm going to be absent from the body. Present with the Lord. Death is just a, a gateway into the next room. Now, we don't like the process. I understand that. But to be afraid of, well, you might die. You might die driving down to Schnucks. If you've ever watched any Crash Diaries videos on TikTok or uh, Facebook, things happen. And it's absolutely amazing. I can't believe that guy did that. But, you know, I don't know what situation he found himself in. But boy, just like that, someone's dead. So... Uh, fearing death? No, we can't do that. Fear the Lord? Yeah, that we can do. Second, they are comfortable in their foolishness. Proverbs one twenty two. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Proverbs one thirty two. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So they're very comfortable in all of that. Um, you, you look at, well, I don't, but maybe you watch uh, little clips of The View. These people are very comfortable in their ignorance, uh, in their foolishness. Occasionally, they still bring up Russian collusion, which has already been disproved completely. Ah, see, there's an indicator that uh, this is not the kind of person I want to be uh, friends with. Notice in the New Testament, Paul warns of the same kind of people. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 14 and 15, they don't submit to biblical teaching. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 14 and 15, If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him uh, as a brother. Okay? Uh, they advocate false teaching. 1 Timothy 6, 3-5. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords uh, with godliness, he is proud, 
knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, uh, who su- uh, suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourselves. You know, when I read that list of things that they're involved in, uh, have you ever watched any of the uh, congressional uh, committees question someone that's supposed to be responsible to them? You ever notice how they never really answer the question? They go all over creation, but they never... Yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. So they advocate false teaching, and then they... Uh, we are, of course, according to the Bible, to stay away from these people. Romans 16, 17... Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Wow. So foolishness is uh, one of those uh, characteristics that we want to stay away from. Uh, Hot temper is another one. Uh, Notice there are repetitive warnings in uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 29. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Proverbs 19.19, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment, for if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Proverbs 22.24-25, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. But uh, notice within that, our culture affects us. You know, when I was younger, first of all, I had my anger problems, but some of my favorite movies were the uh, violent ones, you know, where they went in and they got revenge. And, you know, I mean, you're watching it and you're just on edge and it's kind of like, okay, go ahead, someone do something to me. I'm ready. You know, you just, uh, yeah. Uh, Notice popularity to violent revenge type films. Not only are they popular, but we come out of those movies rooting for the guys that got the revenge. Oh. Uh, it shows a lack of trust in God. Proverbs twenty twenty two. Do not say, I will re- recompense evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. Now again, I read that verse, and my flesh. Okay, wow. Notice, of understanding God's way to deal with his enemies in Exodus 23, 4, and 5. If you meet an enemy, an enemy's ox or donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of the one uh, who hates you lying under its burden, and you will refrain from helping it, you shall surely help it, uh, help with it. Uh, so, yeah, this guy's an enemy. It revenges the fleshly response, and here his donkey has a load on it and is wandering around. You're supposed to go over and help him get it back to his house. But in so doing, you heap a coal, uh, uh, coals on his head, that kind of a thing. So, And then number three, not an admirable example, the person with a hot temper, Proverbs 14.29, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts uh, folly. Proverbs 15.18, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. Proverbs 16.32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes his city and yes, okay, I'm, I'm in the right place. I just want to make sure. Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. <sighs> Lord's really been working on me driving down 159 behind people that are doing 30, sometimes 35. Like, okay, Lord, you're slowing me down for a reason. Give me grace. Come on, buddy, can't you go any faster? (laughs) Like I say, he's still working on me, but overlooking what you might consider a transgression. Proverbs 25, 28, 
Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Back in David's time, Solomon's time, a city that had no walls had no protection. Anybody could come in, take whatever they wanted, and uh, there was nothing you could do about it. Of course, James 1.19, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. So it's not an admirable example to have a hot temper. Patience and self-control are godly virtues. Exodus 34, 6, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Joel 2.13, So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Jonah 4.2, So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. And Nahum 1.3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And will not all uh, and not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has His way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of uh, His feet. So you can see where patience and self-control—they uh, are like God because God is like that. So that brings us to the third area to beware of when you're looking at friends, and that is the area of mouth problems. Now, we're going to break that up into two groups. Number one, gossip and slander. And number two, uh, flattery. So letter A, gossip and slander. Number one, among the seven things that God hates is gossip or, or is slander. Uh, notice in those seven things, let me read them for you. Proverbs six sixteen to 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises uh, wicked plans, feet that are swift to run, uh, running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. So you'll notice three of those four are speech sins, mouth sins. Okay, Slander is a subcategory of lying. Uh, in, it is a violation of the Word of God. Exodus 23.1, You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Leviticus 19.16, You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Psalm 15.3, He who does not backbite with his tongue does not uh, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. Ephesians 4.31 Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And Colossians 3.8 But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Uh, when I think of slander, uh, one of the cases that is going on right now against Donald Trump just finished up. It is the one of uh, where he supposedly has defrauded people in New York. Um, it's interesting when you try a case that you've already determined guilt before we get started. Uh, and they did that by uh, coming to a summary judgment. So now all I have to do is present the evidence to the judge to prove my point, we don't have a jury. And the judge can make up uh, his mind. Well, they allowed that because they supposedly had all this evidence of fraud. Well, when you're calling someone a fraud or they've committed fraud, someone has to have been harmed. That case is nothing but a slanderous accusation uh, I mean, they start out with saying that Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million. It's been uh, appraised at about a billion. And uh, 
The banks who loaned the money, they got all their money back plus interest, so on and so on and so forth. So all you've done is slander the guy. Why? Because you want as many people as possible thinking negatively about him. You have lied. Okay? Uh, and again, not trying to get into politics, just saying there's an example of it right there. Um, Notice uh, again in the Word of God, the tongue is a little thing that is a big problem. James 3, 5, and 6, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Uh, was recently reminded that a young man uh, said that he averaged, in bowling, he averaged about 200. Now that means if you score 180, you've got to score a 220. 220 is a good game for most of us. I mean, that's like an excellent game for most of us. And he said he averaged 200. Now, there are people within my family that are bowlers. I mean, like got their own ball <laughs> that kind of, in leagues and stuff like that. And this is a young man, and, uh, well, he recently went bowling. I don't know where he scored 200, but he scored 78 the other night. <laughs> uh, he, and, and he was even asked, do you understand the concept of average, you know? And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, see, that, that tongue got him into a lot of trouble as far as uh, all kinds of talk and not a whole lot behind it. So that brings us to number three. Solomon says, stay away from the slanderer. Proverbs 20, 19. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the one who flatters with the lips. Um, the point of the first line is that it may be your secrets next. It's one thing when they say something bad about you. It's another thing when they're starting to tell stuff that no one else needs to know. Uh, the definition of a friend is someone who could ruin you, but he doesn't. You know, uh, my wife knows things about me that probably nobody else does. Uh, I have publicly admitted to enough. Uh, thankfully, God has given grace and that kind of stuff. Uh, but a friend is one who could ruin you, but they don't. Uh, basically, don't be a Hezekiah with the Babylonian ambassadors until the friend earns trust. You might remember after uh, Hezekiah became ill, God tells him, put your house in order. It's time to come home. Uh, he starts crying and says, yeah, I did this. I did this. Come on, give me a break. And God says, okay. Sends Isaiah back to him, says, okay, you're going to get another 15 years. Well, how am I going to know? Well, you want the uh, shadow on the stairs to go down 10 or up 10 stairs? And he thought to himself, well, you know, if it goes up, it's got to go backwards. Yeah, let's do that one. So he does. And uh, then shortly thereafter, here God had done a wonderful thing for him, gave him an extra 15 years. Uh, the ambassadors come over from uh, Babylon, and Hezekiah starts giving him a tour of the house, the temple, the tabernacle, uh, I mean the temple, and shows him all the, the glories of the kingdom, gold and silver and wow and... And God says, what did you do that for? It's all going to be taken by them. They didn't need to know about all that stuff. Well, the same thing is true with some who would claim to be friends. Uh, wait until you uh, know that you can trust them before you give them all of the secrets. That brings us to flattery. Again, Solomon's warning about flattery. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? And uh, 25, 19, confidence in an unfaithful man, and I'm not in the right place. Let me see. Oh, that's right. I did this one wrong. It's 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And 29, 5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. So deceit, flattery, acted on, could bring embarrassment. 
Uh, you know, if everybody else had talked to this kid and said, oh, yeah, you're a great bowler, I'll bet you could do, get 200. And then he says, that's right, I could get 200. And then he goes out and bowls a 78. Ooh, kind of embarrassing. Well, it, it ended up being embarrassing, but it was a pride that went before a fall, not flattery in that particular case. Uh, I, I know that even within the church, some people, they get saved out of whatever kind of background, and they feel as though the best thing they can do is say nice things about other people. Well, are, are those things true? If they're not true, then all you're doing is flattering. Um, so, yeah, again, it is one of those things that uh, you want to be careful there. Number three, uh, they already have a problem with self-deceit. You know, uh, why, why do you need to build someone else with flattery, uh, build them up, when within their own heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Uh, someone who's not a doer of the word, but a hearer only, he deceives his own self. It is natural to be self-deceived. Now, notice I said natural. That's dealing with the flesh. But then you have good, supposedly good people coming along and telling you how wonderful you are. How easy is it to believe that? And then you go and act on that, and oh boy, it can be a lot of fun. So people that have mouth problems, mouth sins, uh, those are people to uh, stay away from. And then, of course, uh, like loyalty was a positive characteristic, disloyalty is going to be a negative. Uh, the problem expressed back there, and I already read the verse, but uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? And Proverbs 25, 19, confidence in an unfaithful man in times of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot out of joint. I've only ever had one really bad tooth and got a crown several years back. And, and basically that was because some of the dentists down in Brazil, they have those little drills and they want to replace your uh, filling so they, they just go back and forth and widen the path. So you only got a little bit of tooth on the outside and, and ultimately that little bit broke off. And so I ended up getting a, a crown, thankfully not a root canal or anything like that. Uh, but that's the only thing. Now, I do have an unsteady knee, as, as I've told you, and uh, uh, it's fine for just pushing, but twist a little bit, and then, you, boy, just send you through the roof. So that's what this uh, person is like. Notice, what is the problem with a bad tooth or an unsteady foot? Uh, what, uh, these are questions that need to be asked about this verse. What do the bad tooth or an unsteady foot have in common since they're both related to this person? Well, letter C, the answer is with a question. When do both show their natures? Letter A, their weakness is exposed when pressure is applied. Letter B, disastrous to trust in one who only uh, one only to have them fail you when they're needed. So uh, that's, that's when you're going to find out, but it's better to know before. Uh, the, so letter D, loyalty requires holding to a commitment, especially when it becomes inconvenient. Uh, very often, the reason why men fail in their loyalty is because well, you know, that wouldn't do me too much good. I'll give you a biblical example there. You might remember in the book of Ruth. Ruth goes to Obed and says, Hey, I'm a near relative. Uh, what you think? And he goes, I think it's a good idea. Only one problem. There's one that's a little bit closer. So you hang here. I'll go in before the elders and... Uh, and deal with that one. He says, okay, who wants to take care of Naomi's land? And this guy goes, yeah, I'm next in line. Cool. Understand that the day that you take that, you also have to marry Ruth. Uh, no, I can't do that. And then what's the punishment? They have to take off a sandal and, and you know ruin it. Because he's like a 
useless shoe or a bad tooth or a, a, a foot out of joint. Uh, that's the idea there. So uh, here Ruth needed a family member to step up that would raise up children for uh, the son that no one knows the name of because he died. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is this guy wouldn't do what was right. So, of course, Obed gets to do that. So uh, Boaz, Boaz. I know Obed's in there. Some, uh, Obed's the kid, isn't he? Yeah, so I confused those a little bit. All right, so that's the beginning. Uh, well, actually, the second part. Next week, we'll deal with the third part and final part of uh, skill and godly relationships. So uh, let's close in prayer and go out and be courageous in the midst of the cold. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this time together. Uh, thank you that your word really does give us good counsel. Why? Because you are good. As we consider our friends, we thank you for them, especially the ones that are true friends. Uh, we do ask, Lord, that you might give us grace to build one another up, uh, even here within the body, that we might learn how to be encouraging, uh, reminding one another that uh, Jesus is coming back soon. And in the meantime, praying for one another. Uh, we thank you for those opportunities. And we do think of... Uh, Peggy, we thank you for the good report on her that uh, no damage to her heart. Do pray that she might be able to come home soon. Uh, we look forward to seeing Versi here soon and uh, pray that you might continue to strengthen her in mind and body. And Father, for our brother Wayne as he gets ready to head off to Alaska, I pray, Father, that you'd give him great wisdom as he is much more aware this year of what's, gonna, uh, what's going on between the people and that he might be able to bring about some good uh, not only godly teaching, but uh, the kind of reconciliation that may be necessary in some cases so that that church might shine as a light in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. Again, we thank you for your love and care for us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.